This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 244 of the Stacey West podcast. I am your host Ben and I'm joined by Gary. How are you doing my good man? Are you all well? This is unusual isn't it? Well it is now yeah. I managed to avoid doing a podcast with you for about six months. <laughs> I think the last one we did was the preview wasn't it? Was that the last one we so, did yeah. together? I think so yeah. So I'd say I'm good. Um, obviously it's it's uh would be a lie. Um, so before we talk about football, I've, I've, I've been you, ill. You, I was going to say, you're feeling better. That's the question. Yeah, I've, I've been ill and um, I feel a bit of a letdown because obviously I was doing the prostate cancer, running 5K every day with um, loads of people from the football club. And uh, not at the same time, we're not all getting together or anything like that. I think <laughs> after after today's podcast, that'll be less likely as well. Um, so I've been doing that. And then obviously I couldn't do it Thursday, Friday. It wasn't particularly well. Yesterday, I kind of I got through it. So I've just done a 10K run um, because I run. And that was, no. do you know what? It was so easy. If it wasn't for the fact that I'd worn a shirt that chafed my nipples and I hadn't put Vaseline on it, I might have turned out another 2K. But there was nothing that will get you back into the warmth of a house um, more than sore nipples. Uh, well, I, yeah, I don't really know where to take that from there, to be fair. I, I... Did you, Chris Ray, Imptoons, great guy. Hopefully me and him are going to do a, a half marathon in March. We both kind of committed to it a couple of weeks ago to each other. And then, yeah, I'm just making sure he hasn't forgotten um, and letting him know I haven't forgotten. But he did a... Uh, a, a big run the other week. I don't know if you saw on Facebook, he put his running shirt up on Facebook and it was just like a, a, a dirty running shirt with two bloody marks where the nipples oh. were and he hadn't Vaselined up or anything and, you know, they'd, they'd chafed and chafed. Yeah. And I think it, I think there's an episode of The the Office, the US one, where that happens, like the, the guys do a fun run and um, one of the guys takes it really, really seriously. And uh, he's the one that, yeah, the camera cuts to like three quarters of the way around and he's just got like streaks of red running down his shirt. It's like, I've seen yeah. Kurt, a guy, Kurt Watkinson, a uh, big runner and Lincoln fan from um, Louth. And I think I've seen him with it a couple of times as well, just with a shirt on with two red marks. So I just think, you know what, if it ever got to a point on my run where my nipples were bleeding, that would be the point where I'd, I'd run through like, you know, sore ankle. I've got, a, I've got a dodgy toe, which we did call gout, but now I've seen dad's gout and he's, the hand or his finger and I haven't got gout because it's rancid. <laughs> it's like toothpaste crystals coming out of my old man's finger. Oh, nice. Good job it didn't smell, otherwise I'd be sick. But anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that I've got um like an arthritis in my toe. I'll run through that. I'll run through a bad back. I'll run through like, you know, hanging out my arse, not able to breathe. I think but the second my nipples start bleeding, I think that's where I'm going to go. Do you know what? I'm packing up and going home. Yeah, it's normally a good sign in it at that point. You say, oh, that's probably enough for the day, but so. Nobody wants bleeding nipples. No, and that's a phrase that I didn't think we'd hear on the podcast anytime soon, but there we go. I think there'll be a few phrases, mate, <laughs> to be honest, coming out yeah. today. Yeah, well, I mean, do, do we want to 
do want to try and do some some stuff to put off the inevitable, or shall we get straight into it? I don't know. What do you want to do to put off the inevitable? Do you want a game of? Do you want a round of my new game, Borig? What's that? So, have you ever heard? Um, who is it? Max Rushton and Barry, whatever his name is, on Talksport, and they play a game called Culver House. Can't say I have. And it's completely indistinct. There's no distinct rules at all. They just say the names of '90s footballers to each other until one of them says Ian Culverhouse, and then the other one wins. So for me, it's not a proper game. So I figure Burridge is a better game. What you do, you're allowed to pick a team, any team other than Lincoln City, and name a player who played for both. So let's say you pick Mansfield Town, and then you go George Maris. So I then have three seconds to say a player who has also played for Mansfield and Lincoln, but who is not George Maris, Matt Reed, And then it goes back to you. And it's the first person who has to fall back on John Burridge, who has played for about 80 of the 92 teams. So <laughs> if it gets to a point where you can't name anyone and you have to say John Burridge and John Burridge has played for Lincoln and this other team, then you win. And if it comes to the point where you have to say John Burridge and he hasn't played for both of these teams, then you lose. That's my game, John Burridge. Well, no, it's Burridge, I think. We won't call it John. No games have a first name, do they? They don't call it like Jack Monopoly or no. Paul Risk. Paul Risk no. would be a, that'd be a good name, wouldn't it? Be a good name. Or what about Hero Quest? That was a double barrel. Is that a surname? Uh, yeah, but I think Hero is not necessarily like a, a proper noun, is it? It's kind of a, it's name. just a, yeah, it's, it's not. You could call somebody hero. You could be called Hero Ward. I mean, not by me, obviously, but somebody might. Call then, if I was called Hero Ward, I'd be even more relentlessly bullied than usual. I did call you Hero Ward when you agreed to drive the final leg of my stag weekend. This is very true. That was very true. That was, yeah, that was a decision, wasn't it? Yeah. Do you want a quick game of Borage then? You can pick a team and get started, but don't pick one where there's loads of people that have played. Otherwise, we'll be here all day. I mean, the, the thing is, I. It, my... It's geared for me to win. I know. Yeah, absolutely. It's a nice way to ease us back into working it's... together. Right? <laughs> it's it's not a it's not a game I can win. No. Um... <sighs> this is dead air, then. Yeah, I know. You you pick the team, and I will probably immediately say John Burridge. All right, that's a good game. I like the sound <laughs> of that. So let's go for Rochdale, and I'll say Billy Knott. Um, as I said, probably immediately. John Burridge. I, I John can't, Burridge. I, I just can't think of any. So if John Burridge plays for Rochdale, you have just won. Are we ready? John Burridge has not played for Rochdale. Oh. So I win. Well, that was a great game. Right, let's talk <laughs> about Burton Albion. If, oh. Sorry, if you're listening in and you fancy a game of Burridge, um, give me a shout. We might, we might, we might make it a bit of a thing. I might record some games of Burridge to drop on the end of, uh, of the podcast, but also please, if you're listening, don't just go and research who John Burridge has played for because that's <laughs> cheating, isn't it? yeah. So, yeah, let's let's talk about Burton then. Um, obviously, going in, I think probably something of a surprise, uh, seeing last back on the team sheet, uh, starting. I know there's kind of the, the unwritten rule that if he's mentioned in the press conference, he might well start. If he's you know, players not mentioned in the press conference, chances are they're not going to be playing. Um, obviously, they spoke about him on on Thursday, and uh, yeah, it was it, it felt like um, a, a bit of a boost going into the game, um, and then it started. Uh, I I think your opinion on the first half differs slightly from mine. I think I'm. Ooh, this is going to be fun. Come on. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I I, I could see. You know, particularly looking at look, looking at some of the post match comments and stuff, where they said that the control was there of the first half. I agree to a point. I just think we probably could have done maybe a little bit more to to try and break them down. And I know it's very very difficult to do that when Burton stick so many men behind the ball. Um, I just didn't really feel that there was a, a cutting edge to our play, and it it, it felt overly functional um, for the majority of the first half. I don't think we really created all that much. I know I think we had one shot on target and um I think Burroughs fired over, didn't he? Um the shot on target I believe was Mandroya's free kick, um, which was easily held by the keeper. But we didn't look like we were going to create a huge amount in spite of the fact that 
you know, I, I don't think Burton would have done either. Um, and I know you're you're going to come out with the XG stats about that, um, which you mentioned in the article as well. And I just think it was a it was it was such a tough watch um, in the first half. And you know, I, I know you you know you're, you're going to come and say that it was a it, it felt like a game that we were more or less in control of. And, and to a point, I agree. I just think we probably could have done more with that control and, and try and push them and maybe got the first goal um, before the break. Uh, I know. Yeah, it, it just it just felt like a really really tough watch for that first forty five yesterday. Yeah, massive. I, I do disagree with you because I'm not sure what else we could do with the players that we had available. Now that you yeah. could argue that we've, we've we're playing, that, that's actually wrong because I'm now going to go directly against what I've said because the three that we were playing when you've got Bishop and Mandroya was the wide players. They want to tuck in and we want to play that narrow three, but that's why Burton have then lined up almost six at the back where they've got kind of technically they were playing a 4-1-4-1, but the two wide players of the the so-called yeah. attacking four were, were, were coming right back in. So, that, so it's a six. So trying to trying to pick in inroads was ridiculous because you've got you've got three defenders in a position where normally you've only got two on either side of the field. So arguably, yes, in terms of tactics, tactically, maybe we could have looked to have done more. But the problem that you've got is We've got probably a half-fit Midish Depot at the moment. We've got Hakiba Delican, who, you know, despite all of the positives that we've been talking about at the moment, he's not a centre-forward and probably not at League One quality for a winger either. So, mm-hmm. and if you start with the two of them, then you don't have the option. It, it was just hard. The first half was exactly as I imagined the first half was going to be. It was exactly what we were to, we were in Gwyns before. And um, it's exactly what I was chatting to. Um, Bobby and Gwyn's about and, and and with Chris as well didn't expect anything different they were going to come they were going to make it hard they were going to be difficult to break down usually that's in the form of five at the back so you know to see a, a, a bank of six they were absolutely determined they weren't going to concede now I'm going to go back to what are we 10 minutes in ding 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 with no centre forward it makes it really really hard to play yeah I'm not gonna, I, I've said in my write-up I'm using that as a safety net I'm using that as not a get out of jail free card, but it almost is to get out of jail free card at the moment, mm-hmm. because whether or not people believe that having uh, a centre forward is the root of all our problems, it's the card that you always go bang. We haven't got one because if you've got Ben House in that um, position instead, where the ball sticks a little bit more, then you'd have Rico Hackett as an out and out winger on on one side or the other. He's more likely to try and get down the outside. Let's say you've got Mandroyu on the left and Hackett on the right. Hackett and Sorensen. Sorensen's more forward thinking. You could maybe get the wing backs in. But the the two wing backs, Boris and Sorensen, just did not look like they were ever going to link up with, with Bishop and Mandroyu, who and I think Bishop and Mandroyu yesterday were the two most disappointing players on the pitch. And it's easy. We're going to yeah. scapegoat one of those. And the fans will scapegoat one of those. And there's a reason for that. But there were more, there were other poor performances. I thought Ted was very poor yesterday as well. But it's exactly as I expected. Um but the actual according to the Y Scout stats, and I might be wrong, but the shot on target was actually Borough's shot and it was tipped over, I think, because it was a save, wasn't it? Rather than a um, okay, I know. I, I to be honest, like the BBC have got, I think, three shots on target, three shots off target. Um, the, the Mandroyu ones, uh, there's two, I think, three shots blocked, which technically on Wise Scout don't count as on or off target, which is bizarre to me. And we had this, I mean, yeah, that's a weird one because the keeper saved it, it wasn't a wasn't a block shot, it just kind of went straight through. So, unless they've counted that as a cross, did they? Is that yeah. was that in the first half? I don't, I, I'll be honest, I don't actually remember that. Yeah, there was a, a free kick, and it, it, it was quite a distance out. And I remember turning to, to one of the folks that's near me and just said, I, I don't think he's going to hit this from here. It's it's too far out. And sure enough, he had a shot, and it was a relatively easy save for the keeper in the end. That um, was in the... That was in the first half. Was it? Well, that's not even counted as a shot on uh, Y Scout <laughs> at all. Excellent. Not even so. counted as a shot unless it's after Boroughs. No, it's not counted at all as a shot. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I thought we the the you said I'm going to hit you with XG 0.15 for us, 0.1 for Burton. Let's yep. not dress this up. Burton as an attacking force were very, very poor. They yep. didn't score a goal on their own, they didn't look like scoring a goal on their own. Um, so yeah, sorry for you froze for a minute there. And just the, it was an odd like poo face that you've no. got going on. Oh. Not that I've ever seen that. 
Well, uh, no, yeah, I don't. yeah, like I say, I, yes, you could say, oh, it'd be nice if we do more, but it, it's almost like, sorry, but it's almost like the guy behind you saying, get it forward. It's like it's yeah. easy to say that, but when there's a, a bank of six and then a bank of three, if you just pump it forward and the yellow shirt wins it, everyone's going to go, no, it's don't get it forward it, yeah. that way. And, Not and like that's, that, the same, yeah. that's the same thing, kind of, that's my argument to you about we could have done more. How? How does that manifest itself? How do you actually then go and do more? Yes, you could have played a slightly different formation. Arguably, in my opinion, I think three, we would, five, two. Three, say five, we two would, would have been a better start. Yeah, it was. With, it was just a discussion that we had in the in the group chat, wasn't it? Whether the when the formation was announced, we thought, well, you know, is is that going to be three five two? Because no, we I thought read all that. Okay. <laughs> it 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 almost lended it to uh, lended itself to it with the players that we put out there yesterday. Um, yeah, with Bishop, Ted Bishop playing behind Mandroyu and Hackett, but yeah. that would then force and it might force an awful lot into the middle. You're you're essentially taking two wider players, even though they weren't particularly playing on the wings, but you're essentially taking them out and forcing it through the middle. And I think Jimmy Walker said on the radio afterwards there wasn't any space through the middle. It, do you know what I mean? It, yeah, it's really t- it should have just been nil nil. That should have that that would have been the right result, arguably. Yeah, and no, I think. Um... I actually uh, had a chat with with your dad at, at half time, and it, yeah, he said you know. he was thrilled about that. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, yeah, it, it, we we both sort of said, you know, it was it was one of these where the next goal wins it or first goal wins it, um, and it it was just it sounded. Sorry, there's a bit of a distraction because Gary's uh, Gary's camera has got some light on it, and it's uh, it, it's making him very washed out. But now he's all right again. Um, yeah, it, it it was one of those where first got you know the first goal wins it, and whether it was just going to be going in off someone's backside or you know off the back of someone's heel as they were running away, or whether it was going to be you know a screamer or a daft mistake as has been the way for us over the past what month or so at this point, um, we'd have to see. But obviously, coming out, I think it it carried on as it as it finished in the first half, didn't it really? It wasn't I don't think there was the impetus that some people are suggesting that Burton had. Um I think, I think they looked more positive, but they didn't create anything. Yeah. I think they they got the ball forward much <clears throat> much quicker in the first five to ten minutes of the second half. And they mm. got Barr on the ball. He ran at us a little bit more. It looked like they it looked like maybe that their game plan was to then try and hit us in those first 10-15 minutes. Yeah. And it wasn't quite coming off. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah, um, and again, I, I I just think it was it, it was almost gearing up to be more of the same. Um, and I think I you know I agree with you 100 percent at that point. You just think, oh, it's got nil nil all over it. Um, you know, if, if somebody can get a goal, they'll win it. But it, there there wasn't a huge amount created. There wasn't a huge amount. You know, that there, there was going to be uh, getting people off the seats for either side, um, and it just felt quite flat. Um, I thought it felt quite flat for the whole game yesterday. And uh, unfortunately, there was one incident which came about, which uh, got everybody off the seats for the wrong reason, and that was Danny Mantroyu's red card. Uh, I think as soon as the tackle went in, it's always interesting when you watch the when you watch highlights back and you or you're at the game and you see or you hear the noise after a bad challenge, and you know, you instantly know oh, that yeah, it's 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 a bad one. As soon as that challenge goes in, you just hear everybody in the stand just go "ooh," and uh, yeah, you know, Rebecca Wells showed um, showed Danny the red card. I don't think there's any complaints whatsoever um, from anybody that that saw it, and um, yeah, kind of you know, obviously then got pushed down to the ground. Um, there was a fleeting moment where we thought, "Oh, we're going to see two reds," but. No, so a red for Danny and a yellow for their man, and that was uh, that was probably game over at that point. I felt. Yeah, I mean, on the red card, if, you, if you're happy for me to pick up on that, um, mm-hmm. uh, the challenge went in, and uh, the first thing I turned to Matt and said, "Oh God, that's not a red. That's not a red." And I knew it was a red, but do you know what I mean? It's just <laughs> it's, it's, it's like the, the vain like, hope, isn't it? It's me saying it in a hope that maybe the referee will hear it and then go, "Do you know what? No, that the the, the fella up there, he's right. It's, so, it's not a red." I've not eaten yeah. all the ice cream, you say, as it's smeared across your face. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know what? You just the, some referees may have gone. Actually, it's a yellow. Should we seen 
a position where there was there was a player just in the way. You watched the replay, but she's leaning round. We had a better view of it in the stands than um, I think she did because it happened kind of with the players with almost kind yeah, of back yeah. to it. That it was absolutely the right decision. There was a little bit of a melee. Look, another referee sends Ryan Sweeney off for the push. I would have been grossly unfair, you know. Mandroy who's gone down like um like that referee did. Was it Allcock when Paul yeah. Canio pushed Canio him? Pushed him. <laughs> Do you know what, if if I if I you're a footballer and you go down under that sort of contact on a regular basis, you you know, it was what it was. It it was it was a stupid challenge. Look, we know yeah. that, and we <clears throat> we're obviously going to talk more about Danny Mandroyu, I'm sure. Um, as we go on, but it, it, it was just a challenge. He said, Why are you making that there? I mean, the yeah. ball's in no danger, yeah. There's I mean, no it, danger it's, it's whatsoever. When it's, you know, it's, it's by the touchline, they're essentially going back towards their goal, and he just comes steaming in. Um, it's high, it's late, it's from the back, it's just it, it was just a poor challenge. And the thing is, I think he'd been knocked about a little bit himself. I think he was getting frustrated on the field. It's no excuse whatsoever. Um, it, it genuinely isn't. But, <clears throat> you know, it, the thing is, I still don't think the red card is the reason that we've no. we've lost the game. I still think we had enough to draw the game. I think it could have just gone on and on with neither team ever looking like scoring because, you know, apart from the, what the Jack Burroughs effort, neither team looked like scoring under their own steam at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I, I just think it was... It was a bit of a catalyst for five minutes of chaos um, that resulted in, you know, the free kick for them going forward, getting put out for a corner um, and then putting the corner in and it being turned into his own net by Jack Burrows. Um, and I've I've watched it back at the time. I'd, as soon as it went, I saw, how, what's he doing there? And then the more I've watched it, obviously the, the angle at the minute on, well, the angle on YouTube isn't great because of the sun, um, but... I, I still can't quite get my head around what he's trying to do. Um, I it, can't get my head around what's happened because the sun's really bad. I just... <laughs> it's a, do you know what? We've had a problem defending at the near post. We didn't defend the West Ham one. And okay, yep. you're talking about a team that had won in Europe. So you can kind of go, oh, fair enough. You know, they've got a bit about... We didn't defend Luke Plange. Luke Plange couldn't score in a crack then. And yet against us, they've put a, a corner into the near post and he's put it away. I think it's the only goal he's got off Carlisle. I won't be surprised if it's not the only shot on target he's had in about two years. Yeah. We are bad at defending set pieces. And I defended it to uh, Roy. My friend Roy messaged me, I think it was after the Bristol Rovers game, he said, we need to get better at defending set pieces. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's not that bad. We've got a good record, blah, blah, blah. And then since then, it's just set piece, set piece, set piece. And if yeah. it's not set piece, it's the recycled set piece against Portsmouth, the Regan Pool goal, where the corners come in and we haven't properly dealt with it. But to be beat at the near post like that for a, a, a second home game out of three, because that's exactly how Luke plans score. No team has looked like scoring against Lincoln City in open play at Bank this season other than West Ham. Wickham didn't, Cheltenham didn't, Blackpool didn't, Carlisle didn't, and last night, yesterday, Burton didn't. And yet we have now lost and drawn two of the last three games because we've conceded goals at that position. Yeah. And when I watched it back, I couldn't actually see an attacker going in on him at first. No, and that, that was my thought. You know, I just thought, well, why, what is it he's trying to do at that in that position? Because he's obviously, he's essentially running back to the goal line um, and he's sliced it and... You know, I, I don't really think there was any danger from from an attacker at that point. I, I couldn't see anybody, like you say, either behind him or at the side of him going in. Um, it, it just looked like he'd, I don't know, he'd, he'd seen a, he'd seen something running in front of him. Maybe so, oh, well, there, there is a there is a run, but there's nobody near him. I mean, there's a, there's a yeah. near post run, but as he as he touches the ball, I'm actually watching it back now. As he touches the ball. There is no striker within, or no player rather within. I don't know. I mean, that's what a six-yard box. So there's there's one who's made a front post run, but the ball's past him. It's not going to him. There's two making a run from behind the goalkeeper. It. I don't know. Is it is it poor communication? I, I, I mean, Jens, I Jensen's or Jensen's reaction. Jensen's is, fuming with that. Yeah, he's he? fuming because I think he takes that. I think if the ball yeah. carries on coming in, I think he takes it. So is 100%. it communication? If it's communication, then actually it's probably as much Jensen's fault. And like, I'm not just down on Jensen because of, yeah, I'm, I'm genuinely not. I think he's made some big saves. I don't know whether it's miscommunication. I don't know what it is. But it's the worst thing is we've been beaten by a goal that we've scored. Yeah. 
Absolutely. No, no, nothing that Burton did for that goal, apart from put the corner into a decent area. But that's where you defend. It's bread and butter. Uh, yeah. yeah, I thought Boroughs had a good game. But then Until you watch that. that. Yeah, and that, then I kind of go, oh, I'm not sure I can yeah. really defend it, to be honest. I mean, I'm kind of with you. I thought Boroughs had a decent game, you know, as, as well, apart from that. Um, and whether that affected him going forward, I don't know. But it at that point, we... I think we just sat back and you could really feel the frustration in the crowd building at that point. Um, you know, we were playing essentially as if the game was still nil-nil, I felt. Um, and I know, you know, it, it'll take a few minutes to regroup after a red card. Unfortunately, we didn't have the luxury of doing that because they scored within, well, a minute or two minutes. Um, and when you've got, when you've you've not got that time, you've not got that ability to do so. I just think when the ball was being played around and and Burton weren't really pressing us, it it just seemed like it was going like that episode of The Simpsons from you know where they're looking at the the World Cup and it's like right back passes to half back, half back to left back, and it it didn't seem to go anywhere. And there was space in front that we we could have potentially you know moved up the pitch with. Um, and it, it felt like the crowd was really starting to turn at that point. I mean, how did you see the the sort of next five, ten minutes? Because it, it it was in danger of getting a bit ugly, I think, in terms of the, the crowd response and reaction. I think ugly is a strong word. Um, it's not like we were losing 4-0 or anything. I get, I get, your, I get your point, um, but I think ugly is a strong word. We did nothing for nine minutes. So nine minutes, you're quite right. It was like it was almost like we didn't know what we, what we were going to do. We went to like a 5-3-1, we just left Hackett up front on his own um, and, and and tucked um, kind of Ted, I think, a little bit a little bit deeper. Um, and then we made a couple of changes again uh, where we brought Hacks on, I think. Mm. But God, it just kind of felt to me like, I don't know, why? like we weren't... Yeah, I'd, well, no, no, not why, not with Hacks, why? No, no, I'll go into that. I know why Hacks, I can explain that. It just felt like for a while we were stuck in limbo, just like what yeah. we're going to do now, almost like indecision. I'm sure that wasn't particularly the case, but that's what it felt like. And there was people around me saying, why are we still three at the back? We're losing 1-0. We're not going to lose anything more. Get a centre-half off. But you know, we, we still had kind of Mitchell, Jackson and O'Connor on right the way through to something like 82 minutes. Yeah, And it, it there was there was nothing... For me, from the red card through to 82 minutes, and and that with that, we brought Hacks on because we he's he's got the long throw. He can get it into the area. He's a little bit bigger. We're going to have to try and find some way to break them down because we need the goal. And I think it was well, let's look for the set pieces, but they're pointless because we've got I think one of the worst aerial duels won in the division. So yeah, they weren't. It wasn't working. We're not making the first contact. Hacks actually put some good throws in, but in terms of an attacking force. You then got to go back to that where we don't have a striker on the bench, mm. and it's it's. It, do you know what I mean? It's so easy to keep coming back to that. But what do you do? You're a man down. You need a goal at home. You've not got a number nine on the bench. Okay, you bring Shadipo on, but he wants to get on the ball and run. But you're a man down now, so you're not going to be getting those little triangles. There's going to be six men forward. You're going to be in danger of being hit on the break. But it did just feel like I just felt that probably the, the bench was just a little bit shell shocked. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I, I think the the thing about you know, and obviously we've you know we've we've sounded the klaxon already, but the, the the striker situation is there something within there where we we look at it and we go, well, we've not got a striker, so we're not going to score goals. But when you look at it before House and Walker's injuries, a they hadn't scored, but b there were plenty of goals coming in from everywhere else on the pitch. Yeah, but they were they were and, involved in it, so I, you can't you can't just say that because no, you, I, I, it I know it's your I know it's very, very pattern, I know it's your entire pattern of attacking play. Yeah, it, I know it's easy. It's easy to say, well, they hadn't scored anyway, so what difference does it make? But it's it's entirely how the other players operate. It's who yeah, goes I, in where. So no, I say I, I know it's a very reductive argument, but it's it, it when you have players that are are able to play in the position, you know, up top that. You know, like I say, they don't have the skill set that that House and Walker would have. If players, you know, if other players across the pitch are scoring before they, you know, before those injuries, there's there's a part of me that just thinks, well, is there nothing that 
you know, the players that are playing in those positions, um, you know, in, in their absence, is there nothing that they can do to, you know, at least create something for another player? We haven't player? gone 10 games without a goal, have we? I mean, we won 2-0 against Cheltenham two weeks ago. We won 2-0 against Wolves on Tuesday night. So we score, we are scoring some goals. We had better XG than Peterborough a week ago. It's, yeah. For me, it's not about, it's not about scoring goals. It's about the patterns of play. Hmm. And the question actually is, we look at, for instance, the Blackpool beat Blackpool three 0 and people say we scored three goals on the opening day, on the first home game of the season, or second home game, whichever one it was, two penalties. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so the point is, it's hard because you haven't got those changes, and that's what remember Wickham turned the game, sixty minutes yeah. changes, Shrewsbury turned the game, changes, Blackpool brought Walker on, helped mm-hmm. turn the game in our favour. You can't do that, and we're not able to set up in a manner. You know, Rico Hackett's a good football player. Mm-hmm. He's not a centre forward, he's a winger. You put him in the centre forward role, it's then those two wide players, they're not wingers. For me, it, it just that's it's not it's not particularly about the fact that we haven't scored a goal. We're playing against six defenders yesterday against a team that came not to concede. They do it every single season under Michael Appleton, under um I think we we drew or lost the potentially under Appleton. I might be wrong in the second season. I'd have to check that. We lost last season. They do the same thing every time. We've struggled to break teams down who don't want to be broken down at Sinsel Bank since the days of Danny Cowley. And we've got to find up. That's that was up until the red card. That's the issue, and that's mm. the issue that a lot of people are having. It's it's easy to look at this game and go, well, after the sending off, we didn't have this clue. We didn't have that. But there was a sending off. We don't have the strikers. Yeah. The fact is, it's the overall wider thing. Look, we've got stats further down here. One or two stats. We're 24th for touches in the box. Yeah. Okay, That's all of August when we had Walker and we had House. So it's you know, half of that is still with centre forwards on. So actually, yeah. for me, it, it, it's more about we, we haven't been able to change it, but it's also about the actual patterns of play when we get into that area. We were clinical early in the season, but it was penalties against Blackpool. The only game really where we've been at home and we've looked like we're clinical and we've looked like we're doing really well is against Wickham and it was a poor Wickham side who have since improved. Yeah. I think the thing is about, the you know, you said about the stats there with the, the touches in the box. One that Chris mentioned in our chat, I'm not sure if you saw it because I think you were out, but he said, you know, he was talking about the touches in the box and he said we should, I think we've got an average of about seven a game at the minute and the Blackpool game where we won 3-0, we had four touches in the box. Two of them were penalties. Yeah. Which which is insane to me. So, we we won a game 3-0. But those teams didn't come to set up against us and not get beaten. No. That was what we always said. After we'd beat after we'd won those games, I, I remember saying, right, we've got Carlisle and Cheltenham now. These are games we've got to go and win. We went and beat Cheltenham. There was none of this complaining two weeks ago when we beat Cheltenham 2 0, when we'd been out and we'd done a clinical job. No. And we've also got to bear in mind that this is a team that has played Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and we've played West Ham and we've played this and we've played that. Easy to hide behind that because we one or two players did look a little leggy and we have been able to yeah. rotate a little bit. Um, I think that the, was the, the thing the, that that was the thing I was trying to I was I was trying to um, explain yesterday to a couple of people when they were saying, "Oh, you know, first half was bloody awful," um, which you said at the beginning of the podcast, by the way. I didn't say it was bloody awful. I said it was a tough watch. Okay. Um, but, um, potato, potato. No, it's tomato, <laughs> tomato, isn't it? Not potato, it potato. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing is, you, you you mentioned there about the you know the, the Saturday Tuesday stuff last week. Um, I I thought to myself that. that Sean Rowan looked absolutely gone. He looked absolutely off his feet. And whether that's a case of, you know, it's carried through to this week, that's presumably why he started on the bench this week. Um, but it, it just seems that the past few weeks has really caught up with everybody. So maybe, you know, a, a lack of a game on Tuesday will hopefully um, just make things a little bit, give everybody a little bit of a rest. And I think there was a, I know when I was uh, did the pod with Chris the week, we were talking about the, there was a hope that yesterday's game was going to be off due to internationals. Um, what purpose? In order to help the players recover from the, the schedule that they've had over the past few weeks. Fair enough. Um, and, you know, obviously it didn't happen and, and it led to what it did. But um, I'm not, yeah, I, I can see, I, I, I can buy it. I think the main issue here, we, we've kind of strayed from the main issue that we didn't seem to react no. as a team after the. After, after the goal, the goal. Yeah. and it was only on 82 minutes when we brought Rowan on and we brought, um, I think, Dylan Duffy on and, and 
and Hackett and Arahan went off and obviously Arahan wasn't happy. It was actually yeah. only after that I thought that maybe we might get something. And if yeah. you've got a centre-forward that you can bring at that point, it does make a big difference. But you know, Instead, we had Pauli O'Connor playing up top. Yeah, exactly. And, you, you know, but then you think, well, you've got O'Connor up top, you've got Shadipo sat on the bench, you know, just if you can, if you want to put somebody in an attacking position, whip a centre half off and just stick Shadipo on there and see what you can do. Play him in, you know, try and try and get somewhere, try something different. It's a definition of madness. Yeah. You know, like doing the same thing I, over and over again. And it just felt a little bit like that after the, after the hour mark. I think I probably would have felt a little bit better coming away from it if, like you say, if we'd have taken the centre half off, put Shadipo on, and he'd given it a go, and you know, potentially conceded a second. Not that Burton were able look like creating a second, but having the you know the, the potential of conceding a second with giving it a go for the you know to get an equaliser, than the way that we ended that game yesterday. I think it was. I, I suppose the issue is just playing devil's advocate. You bring Shadipo on, but where do you where do you play him? If you take a centre half off, you're effectively then going to two at the back. Your wing backs then aren't getting forward. I, yeah, I, I don't know. Bringing for me, bringing hacks on, I can see it. You want to get the balls in from the throw-ins, mm. but that was the odd the odd change for me. And I think also because he's a little bit bigger, but we're not winning any headers. So, no. and also know, he can't he can't win a header if he's throwing the ball in. No, so, but I mean with longer balls forward as well. Yeah, so, fair enough. Because that was one thing that we would we were we were doing, and there's there's a lot of that, you know. And, and there were shades yesterday, aside from the own goal and the red card. There were shades yesterday of Cambridge and Charlton um, last season, and 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 some of the um, Michael yeah. Appleton games as well uh, from from the season before, where you know it's just just a little bit frustrating to watch. It felt more like you remember when we lost to Gillingham at home. I think it was two 0 we lost when they went down yeah. on the Michael Appleton. It just felt a little bit like that. Like like the plan A was was wasn't working, but I could see what plan A was in the first half. Yeah. And it was very, very tough. That game had 0-0 written all over it. But then when the red card there was just there just didn't look to be or there doesn't look to be a plan B at the moment. And I can understand it with not having a striker and we keep going back to that. But um I think the difference know. is when you say there's no plan B, I th- I think there'll always be a plan B if you've got all your players on the pitch. It's if there's suddenly a you know a curveball thrown at you like a player gets sent off. That's when, you know, you're looking at plans C, D, F and G. You know, I'm you not sure got... there was a plan B against Peterborough though last week when we went a goal down. Um. Yeah, I can see the argument there. I, I, yeah, fair enough. Um, but I, I, I just think there was. I, I wonder if there was more to the game plan. If we'd have stayed at eleven v eleven to potentially try and change it up in the second half, but again, we'll, we'll never know at that point. Um, but let's move in. Um, let's move on a little bit. Um, obviously, we then had the. Um, the worrying moment of the uh, incident in the crowd. Um, and I think everyone involved really at the time should be commended for how it was handled. I think um, stewards reacted quickly. Um, you know, the, the fans sort of reacted quickly to try and draw attention to it. Um, and, you know, the referee, rightly or wrongly, stopped the game. Um, I don't know, we had the we had a conversation around it with um, with the Orient game, um, and there was a lot of controversy around that. But I think it was I think it was handled really well um, by well, say everyone involved at the club and uh, and on the pitch. To be honest, How about yourself. Yeah, I mean it's it's difficult to comment on. I think yeah. um, again, like we're going to I've got the referee on the list here, but I think we're going to skip it just through times. But I thought that she was excellent. 100%. The whole game. Um, there is no mandate, as far as I'm aware, for the game to be stopped for a medical emergency. Um, that what I was going to comment on was the guy that then seemed to lose his head and start yeah. down in security staff. I think he put one on his bum, and I didn't get what the police were doing because the police no. were kind of just sauntering up, nice and slowly. And you got three security staff wrestling with this. You know, he looked absolutely leathered. He's got a little boy at the side of him crying his eyes out. I just, it, it just all, do you know what? It was a sour, at that point, the game had gone sour for me and there was yep. a lot of negativity. And, the, you know, the one thing that you think, well, I don't want to see is a medical emergency and a guy using that as an excuse to kick off and, you know, having a pop at linesmen and having a pop at players. I don't think 
you know, there's no criticism for me of Burton Albion. So the player that got fouled for the red card was getting dogs abuse. You know, he limped off two minutes later. You just think, do you know what? I used to do it. I used to sit at the front. I used to call away players, all things left, right and centre. But oh, calm, calm, calm yourself down. And if you've got your little boy at the football and he's crying next to you and you're trying to put security guys on their ass, left, right and centre, for me, you know, just have a little bit of a look at yourself, lad. Fucking hell. Excuse my language. But, you know, the, it, football's not like that anymore. It's a family event. And whatever that will happen with the medical emergency, the rights and wrongs of it, you know, I thought it looked to be dealt with in the right way. And it was great to see the lady, you know, waving as she went off and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Um, of course, my, my concern then is when, and, and I don't know if he listens, if he does, my apologies, the guy next to me turns to me and says, well, they have started doing the round of COVID vaccinations again, haven't they? And I was like, oh, oh. God, no. <laughs> not that, not that. Should we go to a break? Yeah, let's go to an ad break. We'll spin the roulette wheel and we'll see where the, uh, see where the ads land. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. McNuggets, they're great, aren't they? You can get yeah. five or ten in a box with some fries. Do you know, um, the advert's finished by the way now, do you know <laughs> that a um, portion of McDonald's fries is worth something like 450 calories? Sounds about right. And whilst running earlier... Because um, Gary runs, everybody. Well, one of us has got to. Um, oh, yeah, I know, my well, feet are... Yeah, I've got tight hamstrings. Yeah, I must get tight hamstrings from making Lego. Uh, Running my 10K (laughs) earlier, I got 827 calories. So technically, you have to run 10 kilometres to run off fries and probably a bite of a burger. Yeah, it is bad for you, and that's how you end up looking like me. But um, we will come on to the post-match stuff uh, from the game, because I think this is where a lot of the discussion is going to be um, for the next few days uh, in the in this uh, Lincoln City spheres, uh, Mark Kennedy came out and was asked by Michael Horton about the um, about the the red card incident and said, you know, it's it, well, it was a silly decision. And Mark Kennedy used the phrase that you know, hopefully that'll um, it'll use the three games to learn his lesson. Um, Michael asked him about. You know, do you think he needs that? And uh, Mark replied with 100% yes, Um, which then led to some comments about kind of picking at Danny's attitude um, and, you know, insinuating that he's he's got a bit of a a problem um, and that he's not, his mind's not necessarily in the the right place all the time. Um, My thoughts on this were that... He's not just put like throwing him under the bus. He's kind of thrown him under several buses and just walked off at that point. Um, I know, you know, obviously it's it can probably be debated whether it was right to call him out, but I think something needed to be said. Whether it was quite as much as he did say, I don't know. Um, we've sort of had discussions about this um, away from the pod, and it's it's one of those that. I think it felt maybe a little bit over the top and it was almost, um, it, it seemed a little bit of a scapegoat maybe to to kind of deflect the conversation away from the conversation around performances and, and the, the well, in particular, performance in the game. 
Um, but obviously, there is a conversation to be had around Danny Mandroyu as well as everything else. I mean, where did you stand on it, Gaz? It shocked me, mm-hmm. if I'm honest. Um, because up until a week ago, Mark Kennedy wasn't really one for calling players out at all. Nope. And then, you know, he's been three post matches and three, you know, players named specifically. And I think last week it was alluded. Sean Rowan with decision making should have scored a header, and then he was talking about kind of you know young players if they wanted. So it, it was yeah, it feels I don't know like he's trying to get a message through to some players and it's not working. I am very very surprised when you start saying you know he'll either be a championship player or back in Ireland. First of all, taking you know, him back in Ireland, playing European football, it's you know what I mean. It, it isn't yeah. actually. I, I I kind of I, I kind of get it. It's hard to comment without knowing what's going on behind the scenes, isn't it? Yeah. Because if he's a manager who has got, if or a head coach rather, if Mark's head coach has got to the end of his tether and he's trying to get a message across privately behind and it isn't sinking in, it isn't sinking in, to put it out there publicly, I can see why you might do it. Um, but he's not normally, Mark isn't somebody who kind of uses the press to do that to get anything out there it doesn't seem yeah. like it it was it was a relatively controversial one and then the rest of the interview were kind of talking about attitude and you know players who have great talent and didn't make it and he was chatting to Mide and, and TJ and um all that sort of stuff and I, I yeah I, I, I don't really know what to say did I like it personally not really because it fed then into a narrative. And now there's a lot of people with, you know, Danny Mandroy who's a bad egg. And you've got yeah. people now saying, oh, well, I've heard this story about Danny Mandroy and I've heard that story. And it, it kind of demonizes him. And you, you know, it, it's a, it's hard then, I think, to get back from that. Yeah. I think we've seen it in the past with Chris Maguire, you know, where there were stories coming out and he had this kind of bad attitude. And, you know, even a hat trick away at Sunderland didn't really see any redemption arc for him at all. You know, he was a bad egg and that was that. And we had it many years ago with Ben Hutchinson and, we, you know, we had it with Sean Newton, for instance, as well. It's, it's really hard for a player to rebuild a reputation when there's a perception that that's how they are. I don't know whether he is or not. It would be really remiss of me to to try and defend Danny Mondroy if he is a disruptive influence or if he if he isn't making the most of his talent or if there is something there. Um, but then it would be you know, also remiss of me if there isn't anything there to, to kind of back it. So it's hard. I found it very, very surprising. It's a, For me, it's a distinct change in kind of press management. And if mm. you think back to the interview that Mark did about Midi Shadipo arriving and, and Michael Horton kind of said to him, you know, more or less, it didn't go this way, but it's more or less like you, you said that we weren't interested in free agents. And Mark kind of said, well, I'm not going to tell you that, am I? It, that was kind of how it was. Yeah, it was yeah. you, know, it, it, you think, well, normally, therefore, it underlines how reserved Mark is in the interview. So yeah. he's either at the end of his tether with it, or he thinks that now this is the only way he's going to get through to Danny Mandroyo is by putting it out there fully. Yeah. Um, it does make it very difficult for him, I think, Danny, now coming back in. He will because he's a talented player and he's contracted to us, but I just think he yeah. piles quite a bit of pressure on him. I think, for me, the, the biggest thing was, like you say, Mark's not one to, to come out and criticise players by name previously. And the biggest example of that for me was when you know we lost at Chippenham. He came out after the game and he he made a comment about, you know, oh, if you, if you don't understand that and you don't understand football... And immediately it took all of the the ire and the frustration that fans had away from the players and the performance, and it immediately focused it on him, which allowed the players to then, you know, almost away from the spotlight, get you know get past it and, and move on. Um, whereas this yesterday seemed like the complete opposite of that, where instead of kind of looking at it and saying. Yeah, there were some decisions that were made that 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 we got wrong in general as a team, or you know that, that I got wrong as a coach. Um, instead, it, it it flipped the narrative and it, it basically shone that spotlight really brightly on one particular player. That I, th- I think you might be right. I think it's going to be difficult for him to 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 sort of come back and, and build the reputation that we thought he was going to have. Um, I I don't know what's changed. Um, obviously, you know, we're, we're in a, a sticky spot at the minute with a few, um, well, with the injury situation and obviously performances and results, which kind of stem from that. But it, it seemed like a very different Mark Kennedy 
uh, yesterday after the game, um, particularly with those comments. And like I said, when you draw back to the, the Chippenham interview where, like I said, he, he kind of shielded his players from a lot of the criticism rather than kind of threw them out there. Um, I don't know what you, th- you know, what what were your thoughts on that? Is was there anything, anything overly bizarre there? Sorry, overly bizarre and and mean, just in in the shift in in that sort of flip from you know last last I year. I, I don't think it's been a sudden. I don't think it's a sudden flip. Like I say, I think there's been a, a kind of a slightly changing tack. Um, over a couple of weeks, so I don't think it was just yesterday. And you know, we've heard Mark talking about he's talking to his players and saying how he's you know he's the one that will get the sack almost again, not exact words, but he's mm. mentioned the, getting the sack twice, I think, in recent weeks as well. Mentioned players by name. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's something that supporters kind of kind of pick up on. I don't know if Mark's decided. Do you know what? Actually, I'm I'm done defending players who make individual mistakes, and normally he comes out and says that. I, I genuinely don't know. I don't know if it's damage limitation. I do know is that yesterday, if Orient is counted, um, was our seventh loss of the season, and um, we lost seven. We didn't lose seven until December the third, I think, last season. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, is it a manager who's kind of looking at that? And, and you know, he talks about getting W's in the columns and things like that. Well, you know, I'm not so sure. By this point, last season we'd lost four games, obviously away at Peterborough, away at Cambridge, once in the Football League trophy as we had now and away at Bolton. So, yeah, I, it's it, it's a tough, it's a it's a real tough one. And you, the period kind of 19th of November through to 28th of February last season, we, we won three, four games, one of those in the cup. You know, if we were to have that sort of run coming up now again, if Mark's looking at what happened, do you know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. I, can, I can understand if he's not feeling the pressure because he would never say that. And, you know, this is a guy that's played in for, for Ireland and, and played for Liverpool and kind of had pressure on him before. <clears throat> so I, I, I don't know. Is is there more pressure this season? Is the question, you know, last season, what when I say what did we have to lose last season, it was his first season. There was no real expectation. You know, everyone was saying, oh, if we stay out of the bottom four, everyone had tipped us to go down. This season we've been backed. Let's not make any any mistake. We paid cash for Rico Hackett. We paid cash for for Ethan Hamilton. We, you know, we've, we've backed ourselves by not going heavy in the loan market by bringing our own players in as much as possible. We've you know, we've brought in Tyler Walker, who won't have come in particularly cheap. And um, is there a little bit more pressure from above? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I would that's think why so. I mean, a little bit more honesty in pre match, post match rather. Yeah, I, I think there would be some more pressure because obviously, you know, the the ethos is to to build and improve on the last season. And I think, given like you say, we paid cash for players that they they won't necessarily have come cheap. But I I don't know. I, I can't see, for example, um, the board and the chairman losing their head at this point in the season and you know, putting that pressure on. I wonder if it's maybe coming from within, knowing what the, the goals for the season are. Um, I I still think, well, I mean, up until... Coming from if, within, from the goals of the season. Surely if the goals of the season are selected by the board. Yeah, but if you're... If, if you have a goal that you know you need to hit by the end of the year, or by the end of the season, if you have a bad start, then you're going to wind yourself up more than anything... Than you know potentially the, the pressures from the people that have set the goals because there's there's obviously going to be the the timeline of you know where you think you should be and it's like well if we have a bad you know bad run here instead of further down the line we can still make it up and it's whether that belief and whether that pressure is is coming from you know Mark himself or, or uh, from externally and I, I, that's that's what I meant by that I, I don't think there's anything. <laughs> toward about it. I, I just think, you know, I don't necessarily believe that the board are going to be breathing down so his neck. It's a long way round of you saying that the board aren't going to sack him. Basically. Yeah, okay, brilliant. So we can move <laughs> on. Um, fantastic. I, no, I agree. I don't think that the board, I don't think that Mark Kennedy's in danger of the sack at the minute at all. I think that no. he is, 
But if there are issues, you know, he hasn't got a striker. He's, he's one of his main talismans have just been sent off. He, you know, he hasn't managed to break down Burton. Fan reaction wasn't great. Apparently there was booze. I wouldn't know. Nine minutes injury time. You know, I'd struggled watching 90 minutes of that, let alone another nine, 97 minutes. I was out of yeah, the door. That, I don't mind admitting that. That's early, a bit of booing. I couldn't hear it. Do you know what? I'd never boo the team, but yeah. I can understand why people do. So, yeah. and, 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 you know, that kind of moves us on because I'm looking at time and, you know, the time says 56 minutes at the minute and people at home will be going, well, no, no, it's not that. But no, it's not that. But Ben had a little whoopsie. Um, so, whilst we're not 56 minutes. But, you know, here's some reasons why, you know, fans may be getting a little bit anxious. Bear in mind that we have, I think we've recruited well. I don't think the recruitment's been particularly bad. Um, and and these and these are total shots, by the way. But fewest shots in League One this season: Lincoln City, one hundred and three; Cheltenham, on ninety four. That's the bottom two. Fewest crosses in League One this season, in total. Lincoln City, fewest one v one dribbles in League One this season. Lincoln City, fewest touches penal- touches in the penalty area this season. Lincoln City, fewest corners per ninety minutes. Lincoln City, lowest xG in the division this season. Lincoln City, a third bottom. Lowest possession in the se- uh, this season, Lincoln City a third bottom. And, and some of those, you could temper them over 90 minutes and it's it's a little bit different. There's also a, a stat called PPDA, which is all about pressing. Um, and the higher your PPDA passes per defensive action, um, the, the kind of less intensity that you tend to press with. And, and the, the, the lower that number, the higher intensity, with 24th, a really low intensity pressing. So what you've actually got a, a, a picture of there is a team who, you know, in a, not particularly adventurous. They're happy to let the opposition have the ball in non-dangerous areas. It's, it doesn't serve up a spectacle. I've always said football's not a show. If you want to see a show, go to Broadway. If you want to be guaranteed entertainment, go to the cinema. You, you're not always going to get that at football. But that's why yeah. there's booze. That's why for two two games now, we've had fewer than 8,000 fans. I haven't got the numbers in front of me. I can't remember the last time we had two league games at fewer than 8,000 fans back-to-back. And okay, you can say, well, Burton didn't bring many and Cheltenham didn't bring many, you know, traditionally kind of low, low league, low attendance league games. Yeah, I kind of buy that, but I don't know. You know, are you, are people going to likely to be turned out for Charlton in two weeks time thinking, well, it's going to be served up like, you know, the the football's going to be like that. We're not really going to be venturing into the attacking and we haven't got a centre forward to bring on to change that. Am I going to go? I don't know. Yeah, uh, well, we may have. We'll, we'll come on to that shortly. But um, you know, the, the I think that the argument is that it's a fine line at the minute, isn't it? You know, I, I said this: um, if you get it right and you score when you can and, and think you know you can get a goal on the break, you're okay. But it, it's the combination at the minute of the lack of goals and this seemingly never-ending streak of of individual errors. Um, that are costing his games, and it, it's suddenly become very difficult to endure um, at the moment. And I think having, well, you know, we we were talking um, about the games after Portsmouth and after Derby when we said, I think you said yourself, you know, that, that you felt more positive after two defeats than you have at certain points during other seasons where we've been, you know, maybe winning, but. That's that's dissipated now for me. Um, I, I suddenly feel quite concerned. Uh, well, the Orient game, which we don't know whether we'll count or not, we were poor. The Peterborough game, we played well in the first half. We were poor in the second half, and yep. this was poor. As this was so first half. I'm not. I'm not complaining about the first half. Second half, yeah, maybe so. Um, so, yeah, it, I feel that it, it hasn't fully dissipated. I feel that there's a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction from me, if I'm perfectly honest. Mm. Um, but it, it, you, you go to Fleetwood next week, you win 2-0 and, and you're kind of a little bit back on track and we're still seven points clear of the bottom three. We're still closer to the uh, bottom four. We're still closer to the top six than we are the, or the top seven or however it is, top six. Yeah. And also on the attendances, actually it was 7,700 yesterday. That's 100 more than we had for the same game last season. So yeah. where we're saying, well, attendances are dropping, well, are they? Or is it just that the fixtures have just lined up in such a way that we are getting these these 7,000 games now because we're getting the poorer away supporters? You know, numbers and stats can always be made to tell a story. But mm-hmm. I just think that it's really pertinent to mention them because I will always use them as a shield. I'll always use them as protection. But when they are as glaring as that, if I was doing the Real EFL podcast this week, 
and we were looking at a team and they were 24th there for this, 23rd for that, 24th for that, 23rd for this, and they were actually, you know, lower mid-table. You'd go, you know, they've been quite lucky at a minute, but is there is there a pattern? It's a yeah. worry with going forward. This is yeah. the first home game we've lost, you know, all season. It's the only the third home game we've lost since what April 2022 when when Wigan beat us. So yeah, we're not rock bottom. We're not Cheltenham. We're not struggling to score goals. But I just think that it was the it's more the atmosphere, particularly that the post match kind of created. Yeah, that, that's just got people a little bit worried. We'll see. It could all change very very quickly because I remember being very very positive coming away from the West Ham game, and you know, I think that's the thing. I think that's the thing that the, the way that it's turned so quickly, uh, like you say, after the West Ham game, everyone was together. There wasn't a single player on the pitch that wasn't fighting for the shirt and that wasn't playing this, you know, playing the skins out. You then had every single fan was coming away from it saying, I'm so proud of the team. It's been fantastic. You know, what an amazing night. And then what, we're there less than two weeks later and we've, we've, a lot of the attitude has flipped on its head. It's, it's, yeah, it's been a bit scary as to how quickly things can change. Um, but hopefully... How quickly they can change back. Oh, of course. Let's go on. Let's move on to the FA Cup draw. We have Morecambe at home in the first round. And uh, are we excited about it? Uh, I would rather have had a, a, a poxy non-league club away, but then after last season... Um, <laughs> are you sure maybe, about that? Yeah, after last season, maybe not. Um, you know... You also think Hartlepool, you know, we had Hartlepool at home um, the other season after we beat Bowers and Pitsy and we went out to them. So you, you never quite know. I mean, at the end of the day, what you don't want is a rubbish away trip um, mm-hmm. somewhere and you don't want a team, you know, like an Ipswich town at home or something. Yeah, obviously we couldn't get them now because they've gone up, but you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. Morecambe are what, 12th at the minute in League Two. They're kind of up and down. Uh it might be a game that we can watch against Morecambe that you'll remember this time, though, Gary. I remember the I remember the last one. I remember the half time, and I remember Matt having his um, tambourine pinched. <laughs> so, do you know that we haven't lost uh, at home to Morecambe? Famous last words um, since two thousand and ten. Well, there we go. Right, Get and an ex-imp scored for Morecambe that day. Already, he, he wasn't an ex-imp at the time. He is now an ex-imp. Who was that then? Craig Stanley. Oh, fair enough. They also had Paul Mullin score for them that day, which just goes to show nothing at all. Uh, and they <laughs> had uh, they had David Artel playing for them as well, who's obviously gone on to be the crew boss. Yeah, fair enough. I tell you what, it was it was April two thousand and ten, so it was the final days of the first Chris Sutton season. I'll give you 10 points if you can, without getting one wrong, name seven of the team that started that day. I wouldn't be able to. That was that was in my uh, little... Was that my exile period? No, it wasn't my... Yeah, I think that was just about in my exile period. Uh, okay. Uh, Rob Birch, Paul Green, Moses Swaybu, Kean Hewton, Nathan Baker, Joe Anderson, Shane Clark, Clark Helty, Chris Hurd, Matt Saunders, David Sommer. Um, on the bench, Paul Musselwhite, David Stevens, Richard Butcher... Brian Gilmore, Lenny John Lewis and Andrew Hutchinson all unused. And in the 87th minute, we brought Paul Connor on. 87th minute. And we were, do you know what I mean? We were drawing until the 82nd minute. So we obviously just thought, oh, that's all right. And then we took the left back, Joe Anderson off. Uh, so, yeah, that's Morecambe um, in the FA Cup. Hopefully, you know, we will progress through and see what happens from there. But... That's going to do us for the week um, for the podcast. It's good to be back with you, Gaz. Hopefully, it's been as enjoyable for you. Yeah, it's been great. How was that? <laughs> all right. Cheeky break. Anyway. No, honestly, your insight has enriched my life. I'm going to go away with so many new views and thoughts on everything Lincoln City. It's been amazing. I might even listen back to this one. Such an arsehole. Even con myself there. I might listen back oh, to this one. Dear. Seriously. Oh my god. Can you imagine me trying to run 10k listening to you on the podcast? I'd be but you'd think I'd pass that. I've been run over. She could she find me fast asleep on the side of the road after about 0.5k. What happened? I don't know. Ben was Ben started making a point you could have made in three seconds, and the next thing I know, it's tomorrow. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I've missed this. Anyway. No, you haven't, but no. Anyway, but look, um, thanks for joining us, guys. Let's um Let's hopefully have a bit more positivity coming out of the next week 
Um, and yeah, next podcast will be Thursday night, Friday morning. But until then, hope the imps. Hope the imps. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs>